0: ready for the interview and if you get a cue live on the laptop watch what i'm gonna do welcome to the show let them know we got a point of view hey yo let's have a combo say what you feel be real that's the motto real talk pronto dr D, PhD. hit the intro hold up wait gotta be social network global, home for the local gotta be social network global, home for the local all right Maylin, you did mention you wrote a book rated x and uh, how porn liberated you from Hollywood.
1: Yes, I did. That's such so a, yeah. <laughs> I know people think it's such a like a dramatic shift, but and it is, but it was a very long, thoughtful journey, really. And a journey of my own sexual discovery and my own discovery of what I wanted to be as a performer and as a human. And um, it just took me from a place of very you know, I was on Disney, it was very, um, controlled and very, uh, you know, there was no freedom in how you could dress or be or, or look and stuff. You had to really follow that company's sweet Disney line. While at the same time they did like the, like they sexualized the girls on these shows, but it was very much done in a, you know, more subtle way. Although when you look now back at these shows, you can definitely see how a lot of the Disney stars, the the girls were used in a very virginal sexual way. So, um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, that's my whole journey from the soap opera that I started on to becoming a top porn performer.
0: I mean, we're going to get into all of this for sure. (laughs) But how did you get into Hollywood and what were your assumptions about being in Hollywood? You
1: know what, I always loved acting since I was little, I just thought of it as kind of an outlet of where I was an only child and it kind of had me, it gave me this like imaginary place where I could play and and do things like when I was only like four years old I was acting out Star Wars on my front lawn with neighbors and my dogs and like just making movies with my friends on the little, on the video camera. And um, so I always loved that. And I took uh, acting classes when I started about, I think I started about 10 um, in the neighborhood and doing community kind of theater. But um, I really loved soap operas when I was young. And I, I thought that that is an escape. I was a big Days of Our Lives fan as the world turns, I was like very, I loved that. And I loved that whole drama. So when I saw, when I, my braces came off and I said, I I really want to try acting. Um, I saw a casting workshop that was going to be with Christy Dooley. It was the bold and beautiful casting director. Now I wanted to get the days one or the general hospital one, cause, but I did, but I was excited to like get a soap opera workshop at this casting, uh, like this place. There's like an actor's studio called TVI. They have um, different cast members teach classes and you come in and you kind of get to know them and get to know their uh their work and everything I was the youngest person in there I was like 16 barely and I uh it was all like older people older to me in their 30s and stuff (laughs) and so I because I thought it was going to be all so punks and I was going to be like wow doing these like love scenes but um it was very uh it was very thoughtful and constructed. And we really went down, go like, over like, what soaps are, like how we uh, make a script good and and stuff. So I learned a lot, but at the end of the workshop, the casting director had said, why don't you come in to try out for this role of this teenage girl that we're looking at for the summer storyline? This was probably in the spring. Um, or early yeah, late winter or something. But, and I said, okay, I, I was so excited. I mean, it was beyond my wildest dreams. And I did, I went in for many auditions and it took a long process, but eventually I was cast in the bold and beautiful and had a big contract role. Right. I was a junior in high school. And all of a sudden I was in this world of glamor and, 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 you know, drama. And I was behind the scenes of everything that I watched before. And it was, And I had these two like soap punk guys that are my boyfriends that were much older than me. And it was, it was very much living out of fantasy. And I think I definitely had that fantasy of Hollywood. Like it would be so glamorous and beautiful and I'd be the star. And I have to say when I got on Blue and Beautiful, it did feel like that. It didn't disappoint me when I first did. I was, it was a dreamland to do it and everybody was really nice to me for the most part. Um, and I, it was just very a very special time. Now, as Hollywood progressed, I saw, you know, things that were wrong with Hollywood, and, and you know all of that. But that's down the line. This is when I first, you know, stepped onto the sound stage.
0: Now, it, obviously, you're very young. Could you ever foresee yourself where you are now? No, not at all. Right, that so, was not even your mind, right? No, not,
1: never, never. Not until the years, decades later. Um, I was very shy and very shy about my sexuality. I had to be the good girl. I always had to, you know, portray myself as such. And I felt like people liked me better when I was this virginal kind of Christian girl that was like, you know, she was sweet and everybody liked her and she was always going to be really, you know, good. And I had to, you know, live up to that image, even though privately I was having other thoughts. I was and i was thinking about my own sexuality but i wasn't ready to like face that yet when i was that young i was like no this is you know who i am i need to i need to portray this image and i did that for many years to come until it slowly started to erode away and i had to um really discover myself and, and you, you know,
0: were like in high school, were you still going to high school? Yes, like, I, was, were, I was. So did people know you were on the bold and beautiful? Oh, absolutely.
1: They knew the first day I got cast. What here, was, was that great. like
0: being in high school? and It was awesome.
1: It really was the best of both worlds. I have to say being on on BNB, what we called it, um, it was amazing because I'd go to high school like two days a week and I'd go to the set three days a week. And so I would just be able to roll and I had the best tutor on the set. He was, uh, he was an old, um, well, USC man, an old, um, navy guy and he he had retired and uh from teaching actually being a coach in high school and stuff but he retired and became a studio teacher so it was so fun to like sit with him and hear his stories and he was really helpful with my work and everything um and so my dog is good. <laughs>
0: it's all right it's okay um, we have dog he, guests sometimes yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> he's in the background or something um, but then, yeah, so it was great. And then I went to school and it was funny, all of a sudden people either loved me or hated me. And it was, it was a real, yeah, shift. Like I'd have had like cheerleaders who never paid attention to me at all when I was, you know, the drama geek at school and stuff, come up to me and be my best friend. And then I had people who just hated me because I guess they were jealous and they felt competition or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, it was an interesting time to find out like who your real friends were and, and what your place was at school and at the studio because I was working this full-time job that was an adult person's job and then I was also going to school but it was cool I got for the prom like the people in the studio like did did me up and I got dressed and they they sent me off in my limo and, and things like that and they were all at my high school graduation and and I had my two hunky soap guys um, come to my school when I did a school play. So, and all the <laughs> girls went crazy that they were in the audience.
0: <laughs> wow, what an experience. I mean, yeah. did you ever think at that time, like, man, this is just wild. Like, how could, like, cause no one else was experiencing that at your high school, right? I mean, it no, was just no, no, you. No,
1: no and what? I was, I came from Long Beach, which is a suburb of Los Angeles, but it's not in, it's not Hollywood near at all. Right? Like, I'm yeah. not that language. minded. Yeah. It's not like I went to Hollywood high school or something like that, (laughs) but, um, no, and it was wild. And it was such a dream come true. I felt like a a princess, all of a sudden being able to be kind of like this nerdy girl at school. And then I was all of a sudden blossomed into this soap opera star who had like attention worldwide because our show was so big worldwide and it was, it was, it was wild, but it was, it was good experience overall, you know, except for certain things that I, you know, write about in the book, but um the whole high school experience was cool
0: so you become an adult you know you're 18 you start moving on in life how did how did that start affect you're an adult now so how did you start viewing your career as an adult and where you wanted to head from that point
1: you know I was uh I was let go from the show because there was nowhere for my storyline to go I had been this virgin and had this whole tumultuous storyline for years and then it was uh I was raped it was it was just torturous and then it was like oh if that's more that's too uncomfortable like to talk about anymore Uh we're gonna send you to school at oxford and possibly bring you back but it was um so it was a real uh shift for me because i went i was going to college at the same time actually taking classes um as i was at the end of the soap opera um and it was just kind of like weird to not be that soap opera girl anymore and so i really had to make a shift i uh did a you know i did a few things i did a tv movie and and stuff where i dyed my hair and i uh and then i ended up dying it really black just to like totally erase like jessica forster who are that past but then i was sad about it but that's actually what ended up making me a redhead is because when i did it black and then later on I was told to take it out because I looked crazy. Like I looked goth. I was so pale with like <laughs> dark hair. I looked like I was Satan's spawn, but I mean, it was cool in some pictures and stuff, but in daily life. And my manager who I met with a new one uh, told me take it out when they were taking it out. It turned red. Cause it was, that's just what happens when yeah. you're taking it out to try to get it lighter. So I was like, wait a minute, this is everybody was like, that looks really good. Why don't you try like red? And actually I was born, I was born with auburn hair and and then it got dirtier and blonde when I got young. And so it was like, I had this golden blonde hair and stuff, and then it got dirtier. And you know, like when you grow up, you just get, it's not as vibrant. So, and then when I was on the soap opera, I like bleached it totally to make it super blonde. So then I was like, okay, I'm going back to like my baby roots. (laughs)
0: literally. uh,
1: So, um, so I did that. And then shortly after that, after like, you know, doing some auditioning and, and, Kind of discovering myself and and thinking about what I wanted to do. I it was fun that I was now allowed to play a little more flirty roles and a little more grown up. I wasn't so young and virginal with the braids down, the long skirts and stuff <laughs> they had me on the soap opera. Um, and then finally, I got to um, I actually was auditioning for a pilot called Zoe Duncan, Jack and Jane, that Michael Jacobs, the executive producer of Boy Meets World, was producing as well. At the same time, it was during pilot season. And he saw me and he was really tough on me. And I write a lot about this, about how I thought he hated me, but actually he he loved me. And that's how he showed like this, this tough love, like you have to be good on this audition. Like he would give me notes, like, cause he would, like, we had to have several auditions and then go screen test and everything. So before the screen test and stuff, he was really tough on me, but I, I was proud that I like fulfilled like all of those, uh, directions, but I didn't end up getting the role. Uh, it went to Selma Blair and they just wanted someone darker, just different. I was a little more lighter, kind of bubblier, I guess. Um, and But but I got the call from Michael and Disney that they wanted to give me a holding deal for me to be on Boy Meets World the next season for it to be Eric and Jack's roommate. Because they had been thinking about adding a girl in for them to fight over and to have kind of more conflict between them and the apartment setup and the college thing. But they hadn't like casted, thrown out a casting call or anything. But then he was like, I saw you and you... That, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: funny how people see you, right? And then they think <laughs> and then you about just, yeah. you in a certain way. Yeah, easily, yeah. How did you start? How were you thinking about yourself and your sexuality during this period in your life?
1: You know what? I It was interesting because now looking back on it, especially I see how I was. It's hard to say sexualized by like the Disney machine, but it's um, like like in those very subtle tones, like everything I did was sort of a sexual butt of a joke. Like I would have a food fight with the guys with my feet on their, their face and chest and everything. Yeah. Or I, I would dance around in lingerie to tease them and to teach them lessons. And I had an, a poster, a nudie poster in the student union put up to like embarrass me cause I took it from my boyfriend which was kind of a revenge porn kind of thing. Yeah but we didn't actually think about it then. So there's always things like that happening. Like I write about in the book, when I had to go to the office, the offices to try on lingerie over and over again, to make sure it was just the right lingerie for me. Now, I honestly don't think that it was totally like they're thinking, Oh, I want to just sexualize her and, and do anything. Cause there wasn't like sexual assault and stuff or anything like that. But it was just that mindset about, Oh yeah, we can just use these girls for like jollies and stuff. And it's fine. They have to come up to and do the, do the try on the lingerie and do all this stuff. And we can make little jokes in the show about, um, you know, us being like sexual. And I was kind of like the, I was the more like I guess risque one, if if that can be said on a Disney show, but I was the one that the guys all kind of gawked at and I was like this sexual unicorn, I guess. And like Danielle on, on the show was just the more studious virginal like main character. And, um, yeah, so all of us in Trina, we were all different and, but I, I definitely had the majority of the sexual butt of the (laughs) jokes. So, but I was at the same time. I like, when I had to try and laundry, I was very uncomfortable because not that I was thinking, Oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I was thinking I should be doing this because I need to prove myself and I need to be sexy enough and I need them to like me. And I don't want to lose my job or I don't want them to think that I'm not a team player and all this stuff, but it was, I was not comfortable with my body and I was still like thinking about my sexuality. I was still repressing it and trying to, you know, fit into some mold to make everybody happy. So, um, that's, that's where I was. And I was still in this, you know, I wanted to make Disney happy and stuff. So, that was, you know, just the starting point of me starting to think about things, but I was still repressing them all.
0: And at this point where you were still pretty far away from mm-hmm. thinking about the Maitland we see today. You were, oh, yeah. 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 That was
1: years and years. Yeah. And then like after I after boy was, you know, taken off the air. And we left. I mean, then I had to think about things again, and I got white chicks after that. And I, yeah. I did some, you know, pilots and stuff. But then the roles started drying up, and I started being typecast. And said, "Oh no, you can't play like a more sexy role if I wanted to." And I, this isn't porn. This is more like just a grown-up woman who's kind of badass and sexy and dramatic, yeah. or whatever. Um, they didn't want me to play those kind of things, or wouldn't even let me audition for them because it was just no, no. no we know you on Boy Meets World. We know that you, that's your type. You can play those kind of roles, but even those kind of roles were drying up because it was well. We saw you on Boy Meets World already, so it was kind of it was a weird time, and it was very frustrating. But in the long run, it was great because it really forced me to look at myself and what I wanted to do. I mean, I got married during. These years I moved to New York, that's when I really took a breath away from Hollywood and was able to, to write. I started writing, doing erotic writing and finding out like what I what I was liking, what I was missing in my life and what I, I really you know, wanted to be as like, I wasn't even thinking a performer necessarily. I was thinking like I could write stuff that's really hot. And I was thinking about fantasies I'd wanna have in my own life, but I was being secretive about it by writing it just on the page. So it was just between me and the page. But that was an amazing time. And it's funny, like once I got married, I actually felt freer to explore that side of myself. And people think that's wild, but it's it really was. I was able to have a safe net and then I could kind of explore what I, I wanted to do, especially like in all my creative processes. But it wasn't until I came back, uh, I came back to LA eventually uh, a couple years later. And then um, I went to school for two years at UCLA to do screenwriting. And so I wrote all these scripts and these kind of, they were always like these sexually provocative characters, but strong, badass women who uh, had lost power in their life and they were trying to regain it again. It, it seemed to be see me the same storyline, except for different storylines, but the same theme for me. And I really needed to get that out. And I really planned on just writing scripts and maybe starring in one that I could produce or just selling the scripts. I didn't know, but I was really focused on that. That's when uh, the spinoff for Boy Meets World, Girl Meets World came around. And all of a sudden, there was so much attention on the show and the people who were on the show. And it was weird because I had worked for many years to try to distance myself from that because I had been typecast and I, I was finally like finding things that I wanted to do and like roles that I might want to play, or you know, films that I might want to be a part of. Um, and then to be like It was like an ice bath going straight back into um, the whole Boy Meets World universe. So that was, um, but it gave me the platform that I would never have had before to to show my fans and people who would like me on social media and stuff, because that was really becoming very important back then. Instagram was just really launching. um, And I was able to gain the audience that I have now, like the start of it right back then, when people were telling me, you cannot play sexy, you, you just have to be like, please Disney, and maybe you'll get an episode or two on Girl Meets World. But I, I really found that I said, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of forge my own path. And yeah. since, since I had this audience building, I could do that.
0: So this was bubbling, literally, like, you know, your sexuality, the writing, the stories, the erotica, mm-hmm. it was all leading towards something that maybe you didn't realize was no i
1: absolutely did not realize it and and this was like i for about i don't know four or five years well i did like i liked doing on my social media and stuff like sexy cosplay i was really into that and i found i could have a career at that too which was wild to me because i would go to a comic con and i i met uh, a photographer who knew i was into like you know cosplay and everything and uh we did a may the fourth be with you shoot Right. That he had an authentic slave Leia costume. And that just set things off in emotion. I got press, so much press on that. And I would get so much press on all of my costumes and stuff where I became known as like a cosplayer and somebody at, you know, Comic Cons and stuff. And, and that was an offshoot. And I would love to do those sexy kind of shots. Now, Disney did not like me doing anything sexy mm-hmm. like that, even just sexy outfits at a Comic Con. And they didn't like me getting so much attention for that and I really, uh, which was interesting because they just didn't like that sexual sexual attention for, um, you know, for any of their cast members. Um, but then I, you know, I I just found I wanted to do like sexy setups and I wanted to do like, I was an exhibitionist. I did body paint. I liked that kind of stuff. It wasn't, it was, it was fun for me and it was fun that the fans were responding and I was gaining more and more of a following. Until it, um, eventually, uh, I didn't make money for like, uh, except for my cosplay stuff and appearances like that, but I didn't make money like on content or anything, adult content for like, sorry, this is it there, um, for like, I didn't make content for like four years or something. Like it was, so I put a lot into it before I ever made money, real money from it. I was just enjoying it. And I was enjoying building the fan base and everything. And um, so, but eventually like the, like Snapchat and Instagram and all those, they get very, uh, very upset with like sexy photos and everything. Right. Even though I wasn't really showing anything, it was just the idea, they just would take people down. And so my fans were like, why don't you sell content? Um, I don't know why this is going off so much.
0: <laughs> it's okay. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: All my fans, um, it was they were like, "Why don't you sell content?" Because I was like wanting to show like nudity or do Playboy-esque type yeah. stuff, and I really was had an interest in that, and I definitely wanted to do like more sexy cosplay and stuff than I could do on on regular social media. Um, I could do a little bit more of that on Snapchat until they really cracked down. And that was really when my fans in like, it was like 2018. So it was like five years ago that I said, okay, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll start. I didn't think anybody would really be interested in that. And I kind of started a Patreon page one night and I said, I'll see, I didn't announce it. But then the next morning there was like 20 subscribers And I was like, I didn't announce it. And then by the end of the week, I had thousands and it was, it was like, I was the number one adult creator. And all of a sudden I had this business and this brand and I had this money to spend on it. And I had, it was, it was wild. It was really, really overnight with that. And then I had, it was like, I was discovering myself and I used the whole platform uh, to really discover my own sexuality and, and my, what I wanted to do performance wise. And I would start off of course, by doing the playboy esque type stuff. And I do all the cosplay and do solo stuff. And I, I really enjoyed that and I found I was good at it. And and I, uh, fans responded and, and then I started doing, well, let's do some girl, girl stuff. Let's have yeah. some fun slumber parties and like do, you know, sexual stuff there. And that was not a, uh, an issue. I have, I'd had sexual relationships with women in the past and I, Uh, I loved that. And, and my, and at the time, my husband, he was, he was fine with that. So it was like, we did all that and that became popular. And then I started thinking, I have these fantasies. I want to play out with, with men that I, I just wanted to do. And my husband and I had a great talk and he actually came to me and I said, I I see that you want to do all this stuff performance wise. And I think, you know, we should explore this. Uh, And we, we really found though, that in the confines like of the getting a professional like if i want to play out a scenario like i did with my patreon in the beginning uh having a professional where they know they come in there's no emotional attachment or anything you do do your thing have your fun and they leave and it's like it's a very safe space and i feel like porn is like that a lot a lot that people don't realize that it is a very you know uh very safe environment to let yourself loose. And uh, and I when I I was lucky enough to know people who knew two of the longest term porn stars who had been in the business like plus 10 years. And um, so I did content with them. And again, before I did professional porn and before I became the contract base of deeper.com, uh I was doing content for like a year and a half. And you know, so uh, but then I found I wanted to do something higher scale and more professional, and that's when uh, Vixen Media Group called and wanted me to do a scene for Blacked, and I was like, I don't know, am I going to do the real porn? Like, is this going to real
0: happen? porn? <laughs> but I did,
1: but I did, and I and it was such a great experience. I had a great co-star, and I and it was like just like a regular movie set. Like it wasn't anything different, and we had wardrobe and makeup and sets, and like it was. And I know uh, the Vixen sets are very high scale, and they do put a lot of money and crew and all that into it. Because some, but I think that's true with anything in Hollywood too. You have the higher ends like Warner Brothers or whatever, or Disney, yeah. and then you have like super low budget independent films. So I, def- I definitely landed with the Warner Brothers of porn, but um, it was great. And my scene though. I didn't announce, I announced the scene on my social media, but it wasn't like a press announcement that I was going to porn, but my scene like killed it. It like the site like shut down for a half hour. It was like, it was just all the, it was just a viral moment where people were just, uh, it was insane. Well on that, and that's really the, how I got to deeper was on that day that my scene came out and was like blowing up and it was beating all records. Caden Cross, who um, is a huge performer in her own right for many years and then who had just won director of the year and was launching her brand, Deeper.com, which is the more you would think of it as like the more creative um, story brand, like a longer feature films and more uh, like she was really doing things that other people hadn't done. Like she was making full concept written features with, you know, regular studio lighting and and film and like everything uh, and direction. And, um, so she lost her co-lead actress for, um, that project that she was just going to launch for the first huge project for her brand, for the company. And it was called drive. And she lost the actress due to problems. (laughs) I, you know, I I write a little bit about that, but, um, then she thought she was going to have to shelve it because she didn't have enough time and and to find somebody who could do the lines and do all of the you know extensive acting pieces of it and so um my they she went to vixen that monday morning so two days after and said i don't think i can do this project i don't think i can do this project um turn this off one second i know
0: what it is no, it's all these things, right? There we're done. Coming okay.
1: <laughs> I was like confused. I turned the other off. Yeah. But um, she, she went to Vixen on that Monday and asked, said, I can't do this project. We don't have time. I can't find an actress. And they're like, talk to Maitland. She's a big, she has a big draw and she's, uh, you know, she's an actress, a real actress. And so I met with her and we immediately hit it off and we began filming like a week later on this project. And then that's the one that I announced to the press. And that went crazy. That was the monster viral moment. It was Google number one all day. I beat Bernie Sanders heart attack. I was like, (laughs) Rachel's doing full on porn. It was everywhere.
0: (laughs) It was all over the world. Do you think it helped you being um, a more traditional actress going into porn? I mean. Oh yeah. How did that help you in a sense? I'm not sure Uh, people think about that aspect. Oh,
1: yeah. And it's like, you know, you know how to work the camera, you know, about like production and like how to, you know, bring out the scene. It's not just like it's not like the stuff like the stuff we do is not like the stuff that you see on Pornhub. It's just like this. Gonzo camera, like where they're just filming sets. We actually yeah. have a whole script and direction and, and everything. Um, so I, it helped me immensely as an actress. And I feel like I can do a lot of things that, you know, there are a lot of girls that can't do because they aren't trained as an actress. Um, and I feel, I feel grateful that I like landed with um, someone and with a brand that is had the same vision as me. Cause I had such a vision for a while when I was doing my content and he, I was really thinking, I wanna have like something really professionally done and I wanted to have great acting and directing and writing and I and hot sex, all of it. And this was really the dream place to be. So I think being an actress, just you just know how to perform to the camera. Cause I think sometimes girls or guys, whoever comes into the industry of porn and maybe they like sex, but they don't know how to uh, play to the camera right away. So it takes them a while to, you know, it was surprising though, that I was so comfortable with it. And I just let myself loose immediately. Like the first time I did a sex scene with for my content for with a um, the, one of the porn star guys that I I knew I he knew it was my first time on doing it on camera and we. We did it. And at the end, I, you know, I was like, just let myself go. And I asked him later, what did you remember about that first time? And he said, I, you weren't nervous. I couldn't believe you weren't nervous. And I just like went for it. And I felt like I was liberating and it was freeing to me to be able to do this and to perform like this. So I do think that uh, like a lo- probably a lot of Hollywood actors and stuff wouldn't feel comfortable performing like that. Cause sexual performance is a very specific thing. It's like, a, like it being a dancer or having like a specific sport or something that you're, it's that you're good at, like, not everybody can do it. And, um and I don't think porn act actors get enough credit for being able to, you know, do a good porn scene where people are engaged and they, and they get turned on and and it's a, you know, a quality thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's very interesting. It makes me think of like how much discussion goes into, before the scene uh with you know the co-star or the the production team and how like how much information are you given and or is it a lot of improvisation mixed with information ahead of time
1: we have to talk about everything a lot ahead of time like there has to be a whole conversation about consent and what your nos are mm-hmm. and your yeses and what you want like what where the scene is going to lead usually we know we have to have the scene lead in a certain way because you're going to do like photos ahead of time and, like choose positions that you're going to do so you know you'll pretty much land in all of those positions and you definitely have to give your consent on everything so we talk about it a lot. In my t- scenario, I mean I get scripts ahead of time so I know exactly what's going on and like what's going to happen and um so but there is a lot more discussion than people think. People think you just go on and have sex, but it's not like that. It's you really have to like plan it. Even for a more gonzo kind of scene or you know that's not fully scripted and everything, you're still gonna have those discussions about what you wanna do and like, you know, and if somebody breaks a no, it's like taboo. You do like somebody does something that you said no to, that's like the worst. And that can really like blacklist you from the industry. Um, it's yeah, so, there, and there's a lot of things ahead of time. You have to sign paperwork every time you do it. You have to show your IDs. You have to get uh test, STD testing every two weeks. So, and then when COVID came, we had COVID testing every day. So so, imagine
0: so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How do you think, how do you think about like the work that you do and how people perceive the act of sex, how they feel like, is it, how real it feels maybe watching a porn versus just everyday sex people have in real life? Well,
1: I, you know, people are always like, Oh, is it, is it like real sex in the scene? Yes. You are enjoying the sex. You were having real sex. You were having orgasms and things like that, but you have to play it to the camera. That always has to be in your mind. So you're always, you know, you have to think about that and be aware of that. Um, but I would say it's much more like acrobatic and athletic, which you have to be in really good shape to do this. I, have to say, <laughs> I
0: don't think people think about that long
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, not, not just like you have to be like physically like yeah. do it. Because it does take a lot out of you. And um, they always say, uh, you know, your sex muscles get used. Those aren't the muscles you're thinking about. It's <laughs> like your neck turning around, your hip, your like back. It's those are your sex muscles. Because the worst <laughs> is I have to like a lot of times pose for pictures from behind. And I'm like this. It's like, oh, my neck is just like holding <sighs> the position. That I have to put my face to the camera. It's that's hard. But I think regular people, like it's kind of like why I wanted to go into porn and do it. I couldn't do all of these crazy things, you know, in my in my bedroom with my husband. I mean, we're not going to have like sets and or swings or like good equipment yeah. and like people and young know, gangbangs and like all this, you know, stuff. <laughs> um, but it's really cool because like I did, well, I've done two DPs, uh, double penetration. Mm-hmm. But it, you could never, I mean, I am, um, Hard pressed to find guys in life who would want to do that, like just for, because they don't want to be together like that. (laughs) It's it's hard. It's true. I wish, you know, I wish when I, if I was more sexually free when I was younger, I wish they would have. But to try that, but it's, it's very hard to find that.
0: Why is um, that? They're like, is there a stigma behind that? Two guys, it's a, stig- and maybe I think so. not- a lot of
1: guys, a lot of straight guys are like, oh, and maybe like I'm gay or something. It's really, right. ridiculous. But, um, <laughs> but there is that thought process. Um, so uh, yeah. And maybe they don't want to be in the same room. To, I don't know. like to touch, yeah. whatever. Uh, But it is hard. And I've heard other girls talk about it, but it's cool. In porn, you have professionals who do this and you can just explore like that. And it's a, it's a cool, safe way to do it.
0: What is, what's been your favorite experience in porn? Like what's been your favorite experience that you've done that you were like, wow, this is like so amazing that I did get to do, do this scene.
1: Oh, there's been so many, like I just being able to do like firsts and stuff when I, um, just along the way I get to like be, it's weird because porn has actually given me my dramatic like acting career back. I wouldn't have been able to act so much and have such an outlet to be in these in dramatic pieces. And, and now I'm writing and directing stuff. And I feel like it's given me such power. I would have never been able to write a book, which I had always wanted to do. Uh, and I did that. So that's been an amazing thing. Now, as far as like sex acts and stuff, I always found like uh, it's, you've, it's just really cool. Like I just different ones that you do at your first, like your first gangbang. Like I had these guys around me, which is a lot of hard work because you're always having <laughs> to think of a new penis. Like, where is it? Where is it? It's not as free. It's not as like, wow, well, freeing. Cause you're thinking about it the camera. It's not like you're doing it in real life. Yeah. You're like, cause you have to, there's so many penises coming at
0: you. It's just, <laughs> there's just so many penises. Coming and you're kind at of you.
1: like, who is it attached to? I don't like, and you oh have God. to keep it. It's, and you're the focus of it. It's, I think orgies are way easier like I did a big orgy with like, oh my God, it was, well, it was like 13 people or something. And it's much easier because everybody has their, their you know, yeah you don't have to be the focus of the whole thing, but I definitely enjoyed the gangbang. And the, and I was very proud of myself at how good at an anal I am with oh. very large dicks. So really? yes, I found I am very like naturally- good at it and i of course i had done it in my personal life but not with the
0: not with the, you know, the, the biggest monster cocks out cocks. There, right i mean monster cocks yeah. i know
1: and i like i recently just did a four person anal train like it was amazing oh. like i know and i feel like i, I was so nervous at a time about like cleaning out and like being all you know uh i thought it was gonna be a big process and i remember the, uh <laughs> manuel ferrero was my first uh anal on a project he was very sweet he was like I'm gonna we're gonna go slow we're gonna like he's a monster dick
0: yeah but
1: um we're gonna go slow and 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 you're, anything if you want to stop but it, I found I was so proud of myself we started he went all the way in and we did not stop the scene wow. <laughs> he was like I I, I couldn't believe it like, I, so believe I was it. I was so proud of myself I'm like I what on earth I didn't have to stop once
0: <laughs> wow i mean i was thinking yeah, you was prep great for that like or is there any preparation for yes you? there's
1: a lot of prep uh, but i found, I you can over prep too oh i find i wrote in, in the book i have a whole chapter on like how i uh it's a little anal chapter but uh definitely you have to do an enema like i usually like the night before you know get it all get it going get it out uh a lot of girls don't eat for like 14 hours or something like they don't eat right beforehand Mm because they don't want it to come out or anything to come out uh and I was really nervous about that but my Caden my director and friend and everything she said beforehand you know what do not worry eat something right before the scene she goes because a banana is not going to just fall out your ass (laughs) (laughs) it's not going to process and go right through you like just to (laughs) But I, I feel like you, like I found the best way I actually can't eat. I don't, as long as it's not like huge amounts, but I don't have that problem. I'm very, I clean out very easily. I just, I just have to do one enema. Some girls do a lot, but that can be dangerous because there's girls that do enemas right beforehand. And I've heard some horror stories about how that gets stuff really moving and
0: explosive diarrhea that it
1: happens a lot. No. Yeah. So I just clean out with water ahead of time. Oh. just get, it nice. get the canal nice but you don't need to go up into your you know
0: wow that's the ruin the right scene right before
1: <laughs> definitely i know i've with like one that happened no and um, yeah so <laughs> so just know don't don't over enema <laughs>
0: don't how dare you over enema don't you do that? yeah <laughs> is there like a point you won't go to like is there certain things you're like this is i draw the line
1: Well, I don't do any like, like super BDSM things or anything. So I'm just not in that world. Like my BDSM stuff would involve like crops and floggers and things like that and handcuffs maybe and stuff. So I like all that stuff, but, um, there's some extreme stuff that I wouldn't do. And I also wouldn't do like, I know for OnlyFans and stuff, I get tons of custom requests. Um, I turn that off.
0: The only fans thing's interesting and that wasn't around in the beginning when you were doing No, that. it,
1: that's why I was on Patreon. It was it was not as big like when I uh you know went on. And Patreon it wasn't a, an adult thing. It's still not yeah. an adult thing. They've gotten stricter though. They used to have more adult content where you could have nudes on your page and stuff and it was more like new like adult art and stuff but yeah only fans really started just taking off uh and it took off for me like as soon as i got on professional porn and on deeper i you know went just it went crazy and then during the pandemic it just skyrocketed and so um but speaking that like things i won't do if i get a request on like only fans or anything for custom videos I won't do anything like humiliating to someone. I do do small penis humiliation. Yes, they, that's fun, and they yeah, like that. Certain people like that. So I'll do that. Kind
0: people of stuff. like that.
1: Seriously. But I won't like a hum. I yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing, Why and though? it's kind of fun because I can just <laughs> insult them, and I just and we have fun with it. But uh, but I won't like insult their race or their sure. um you know their sexual identity like that unless it's small
0: penis <laughs> why do people want you to insult their small penis
1: I I don't, it's, it's real because and then it's also like a lot of people that watch like the big dicks and stuff they like yeah. to it's a cuck thing like kind of yeah. like they like to be humiliated and they get get off by that but i mean i'm not gonna shame anybody for that. It's, okay. and i enjoy them so if anybody wants a small dick <laughs> humiliation video i'm very good at them because i also play a very on usually on um like deep burns in, in my projects i'm much like a devious kind of yeah. mistress vixen where i get this kind of they like me to talk like that
0: oh so. okay you put on yeah, a different so voice of a of controlling thing. dominant kind of yeah. dominating so what is the <laughs> Okay, so people requesting stuff. What's the number one request? I mean, it's not the small dick thing, is it? No, 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 no.
1: That's a, that's a specific thing there. But I do get a lot of them. But um, I think the most request is just like to masturbate with a toy and say their name and be more like it's kind of like they're involved in, in the whole thing. Um, I got a lot during the pandemic, a lot of date kind of things where they'd want to pretend like I was on a date with them. And taking them back to a hotel room because they weren't having the connection none of us were going out and meeting people so that was kind of fun and i um but i get a lot of domination ones too like as the mistress to tell them like a lot of um jerk off instructions that's a big deal like to tell you what you need to do and control like their orgasm, which is cool too. I mean, I like all the these dumb things.
0: <laughs> yeah, it seems like this is a theme here, Maitland.
1: Yeah, on. I have it a lot. It's funny because I started out as the girl next door kind of yeah. thing on Boy Meets World, but now I'm like this mistress domination oh, woman. <laughs> and I had, I had fun with it. And look, Hollywood didn't think I could play it. Now I'm making
0: of course
1: tons you're... of money on it.
0: <laughs> right. I mean you are literally like exploding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing so was the liberation part like liberating from hollywood like just being able to like be yourself yes Explore these things
1: yes like the hollywood box that they put me in i was finally able to break free and break out of that and that's the the thing that really you know liberated me from hollywood especially the old hollywood me i mean i still uh you know, I'm not like opposed to mainstream or opposed to Hollywood like that. But I and I really think in the old day, like the old days when I was on that kind of box that they really put me and a lot of, a lot of young starlets in. So um yeah, that we really, I'm able to be myself. And I think that's really the liberation because porn recognized that in me and was let me be me and do all these things. Like I said, I get to act, I get to direct, I get to write, I get to do all the sexual acts I wanted to do. I play the roles I want to play. And it's, it's been such a liberating thing.
0: You know, what's interesting. I, uh, I've talked to a lot of people like in your space or doing different things. And mm-hmm. they always tell me like you would never guess the person or the people that would be doing these requests are going to see someone in this. Have you experienced that as well?
1: Yeah, I think it's all types. I really believe that pe- everybody watches porn pretty 90% or whatever, but there's a lot of people that don't want to admit it in the public, but then they are secretly, they, they are fans and they want to do customs and they want to do all this stuff. I've had some really sweet experiences too. Like there was one guy who was dying of cancer and he, he just enjoyed doing customs and doing talking and, and all that time together at, at the end and then finally, he just said, thank you so much for like giving me so much enjoyment in this. And I, he passed away, I presume, because, you know, he was kind of, he was really ill. But um, so that was a special thing. And like, so I have cool connections with my fans. And and it's amazing, like the people that you get to know and, and everything. But yeah, you're right. There's people that you would never expect, like totally watch, like porn all the time. And they're really invested in it. Right. I get couples coming to me telling me that they, I've saved their marriage and deeper or deeper scenes and stuff. I've saved their marriage. I had a great couple tell me uh, at one of my book signings that, you know, their marriage was strengthened so much because he liked porn, I guess. And she was like, oh, I don't, you know, it's, it was, it was a, tr-. she didn't like that what she thought was on Pornhub or whatever. And he's like, well, watch this stuff. This is really smart. Watch Madeleine's stuff and this deeper stuff. And she uh, did. And they said they love it and they experienced it together. She can feel like she watches the storyline and is invested in that. And then the the hot sex happens. So she can, you know, it makes, it's a smarter kind of porn.
0: (laughs) A smarter type of porn. It's
1: smarter because you have to think and follow the (laughs) storylines.
0: It's like fast forward. No, don't fast forward. (laughs) It is amazing. I always hear these stories about how it's all, it's like it's the doctor, it's the judge, it's the okay. you don't. I'm telling you, it's it's your school teacher. You know, it's like yes. all these people. Yes. And the people that are virtuous. Yeah, the
1: people are against porn the most like these groups. They have the most twisted, kinky porn, like twisted, dark stuff. Like I wouldn't do that kind of stuff <laughs> like, you know, needles in them. And like <laughs> wow, needles. <laughs> no, I think they're into really like like really weird stuff sometimes. Really? Yeah. And they always are like, oh, you hate porn, but I really think it's a way to control women too. They don't want women mm-hmm. to make money at porn, but they want porn to always exist for them. But there's a certain group that doesn't want women to make profit or success off their sexuality. They want their bodies for them or for, it's just like, they just mm-hmm. want to treat them as demeaned sexual beings, which is. Is a whole subset wow.
0: jeez man <laughs> yeah <laughs> the most reputable people have the craziest shit that they're yes. going into,
1: like yeah because they hide it and then it's like it's and it's also because it's such like it shouldn't be taboo it should be normalized in society so it wouldn't be like you know people use their sexual repression to go into all these crazy things
0: yeah well how do you feel about like when someone potentially as like an addiction to porn or they just like, they can't do anything else. Like they're just into that type of thing or like, what's your thoughts about that?
1: Well, I mean, that's a problem with whatever you do. I mean, Terry Crews said like he has that problem, but then he wants to shut down all of porn and demean all of porn actresses and and everything. Yes, because it is an addiction and it ruins marriages. And, but I mean, that's his view. And like, if anybody has a problem with anything, whether it be- alcohol or food or whatever, it's like, that's your issue that, and yes, you should deal with that. And that's not good. Any over, over consumption of anything that's hurting you and and taking your time away and and doing that should be dealt with, but it's not something that you should, you know, tell everyone that they, okay, they can't have it, even though they're fine with it and they enjoy it and they, they use it in, you know,
0: well, it it is like alcohol in a sense that like there are people who do have definite problems with alcohol and then there's plenty of people who don't have an issue. Yeah, and they can socially drink and they're not tied to it. But yeah. then you have this whole section of people who are like, no booze ever. Yeah, I know. life. And it's like, okay, yeah. that worked for you. But maybe yeah, but people who don't have that issue. And right. They're fine. Right. You know, it's like almost right. like that can't exist outside yeah. of this spectrum, you know?
1: Yes. I think a lot of like the people who say they're addicted to porn also have other addictions. Like they feed, just, they just use something where they, you know, focus on it to try to, yeah. I don't know, get away from their problems in society or whatever to, to forget yeah. to fantasize and, and get out of it, their headspace and stuff. But um, yeah, I think you're right about that. It's like, if it's your problem, please get help for it. But, but also yeah. porn isn't a physical addiction in the way that, it is a physical thing, but like yeah. alcohol or drugs would actually, could ha- you know, have withdrawal from it. Yeah. It's not something like if you stop watching porn, you're going to physically have withdrawal. It's more like yeah. you-, you need psychological help, not like a medical intervention.
0: <laughs> it also feels like there is a sexual intervention happening in our collective consciousness. Like I've talked to so many people who would never normally do these things, podcasts, you know, sex workers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's like a, they're like rallying, like, Hey, no, 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 this is okay to talk about this because mm-hmm. there's been a large sexual repression in America's history. Yes. Absolutely. We're coming out of that on some level, I feel I, at least in my experience with other people talking about.
1: Yeah, no, I think especially with younger people and stuff who've been on the internet and porn has been a part of their, you know, younger life, twenties, thirties, they're, they're like, they, they've had it always. So I think that's, promising and i think it's a weird thing in society though i was thinking like it's either the very like right wing fundamentalist kind of sect that mm-hmm. just hates porn but there's also a very left wing like feminist set that thinks that porn is like evil and, and and they should women should not use sexuality in any way so it's like that's the only issue that they both agree on and although i hope that they're smaller groups but very vocal
0: yeah I
1: think for the most part I think society is ready for it and they do watch porn and it's these groups that are always trying to oppress it and everything but I think the whole thing is it should like we everybody fights against each other and like I I think it needs to be normalized it doesn't need to be like you have to watch it or anything but people need to you know hear about it and know that people in porn aren't crazy all of them and (laughs) And that people didn't have to come into porn just because they were abused or yeah. nobody is being in legitimate porn. I want to say nobody is being trafficked, legitimate porn. Yeah. I don't mean like some video you find on the on Pornhub or some weird website of something. I mean like we have to make sure we have our IDs and our consent and our paperwork and our testing and everything. So that's always a conversation that these groups use. It's like trafficking in porn. It's the same thing. And it's couldn't be further from the truth. We would love to work with people to stop trafficking and and have legitimate sex work.
0: Yeah. And I actually think people who are really extreme on either side of these things, they're consuming it too. They're just lying about it. They're lying about it. And they're the ones with the worst. They're they're the ones that did nasty motherfuckers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there just is. You always see that with people when they're so worked up about something. I mm-hmm. feel like they have guilt about the thing they're worked up about. Yes. Like they're doing it, they just don't want you to know. It's like if somebody's yeah. like so worked up about someone being gay or lesbian, they're like, right. "Okay, so what's they're... the problem here?" Like, like
1: yeah, I actually know. knew a guy in school who was always so homophobic, and it was like weird. Then I find out later he's gay. Right. He came out as gay, and of course, it's like always you should have known that back in <laughs> high school, but. Cause he was like so weird that he would always say, oh, that's gay or something. He'd always make yeah. jokes, but then it's like, wait a minute, he's gay. <laughs> that's <laughs> why it happened. Because he was trying to repress it.
0: Yeah. It's um, almost like you hate yourself. So you're going to hate someone else yeah. for that. Instead, you know, it's, it's so, it's better that the world is so more accepting and we're yes, moving it towards a better place. Cause I want people to be themselves. Right. I, I really want that. Who doesn't want, who wants to live a life where you're not doing You you have to hide who you are. No one wants that. Right.
1: Right. That's exactly true. And that's, that's why porn really did liberate me because I don't have to like hide anymore.
0: Well said. Well, listen, uh, this is awesome. I mean, what a great story. (laughs) Uh, Obviously you're doing amazingly well. Um, And please let everyone know how they can get more of Maitland in their life.
1: Oh, well on social media and everything, it's Maitland Ward, M-A-I-T-L-A-N-D-W-A-R-D. So yeah, my only fans and everything on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, and also, I had I started a TikTok. It's Maitland Talks T O K S, um, but you know I'm I'm just on the start of that. So, <laughs> but my yes, yeah. but you can find me there too.
0: <laughs> awesome, Maitland. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time. It was a really oh. good conversation. I enjoyed. Oh, thank you. Yes,
1: wonderful conversation. Thank you. All you right, so
0: Maitland hard. Ward. Everyone, thank you so much.